Bact empowers you to get it together with a single digital wallet. Use Bact to aggregate, convert, send, and spend digital assets like crypto, loyalty, and rewards points and gift cards. Go to BACKT.com and start treating your digital assets just like cash. I'd like to also thank Kraken. With Kraken, you can instantly buy and sell over 50 of the most popular cryptocurrencies or earn additional rewards through their industry-leading staking service. Payouts are twice a week and you can earn up to 20% each year. Visit kraken.com scoop to learn more. Exodus is one of the most loved crypto apps due to its sleek design and easy-to-use exchange feature. Secure and manage over 130 cryptocurrencies from your computer or phone. No account registration is required. Download Exodus at exodus.com and you're ready to go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. This is an episode I'm very excited for. I've had about three super coffees just to prepare for it. It's about That's about 600 milligrams of caffeine. So I hope our guest on the other side of the mic, Christine Brown, COO and VP of Product Operations at Robinhood is ready. Christine, we've talked a bunch in the past. I've been covering Robinhood crypto since it first launched the business in 2018. Mm-hmm. In fact, I remember when Vlad... And Baju visited my offices at the time when I was at Business Insider before they launched the product, how excited they were. I remember them talking about the retro feel of the product, why they were interested in bringing what they brought to the financial markets to the crypto markets. And now today, it's probably, by many metrics, the largest piece of the Robinhood pie. So we want to get to your background too, but let's start off with a very basic question, which is how's business? Well, thanks, Frank, so much for having me on. And hopefully I can keep up with all the caffeine you've got coursing through your veins right now. How's business? You know, in Q2, I think we released a few stats with our earnings that indicated that business is good. More than 60% of Robinhood funded accounts traded crypto in Q2. And now Everyone everyone listening should know that retail is very cyclical. There's ebbs and flows. I think that that's a really strong sign and signal of the fact that retail in general is dipping their toe into crypto. They are more than just crypto curious. And Robinhood is a place that they're coming to actually get access to crypto markets because of the product that we've built, that it sits next to our securities, equities, options business, that it's really accessible, it's easy to use, it's not intimidating, and it's also not scary. So business is doing well. So there's obviously been an immense amount of growth under your leadership, Christine. We've seen the numbers. We know the amount of folks exchanging crypto, how much crypto is trading hands on the platform. I think you took on the position as COO of Robinhood Crypto in 2019, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, The appointment was officially spring of this year. Um, I started getting involved with the crypto side of our business last summer, not in the COO capacity, but leading our operations team and building the foundation of of where we're at now. I've been at Robinhood for about four and a half years now. Um, I joined the firm in early 2017, but I was in a very different role back then. I joined as a product manager, kind of on the technical side of the business, 
to actually help build and launch our self-clearing firm for our securities business at the time, right? If you think back to 2017, Robinhood was just an equities trading platform. We didn't have options. We didn't have crypto. We weren't self-clearing. And I was very lucky to come in and help change some of that. So what did you do exactly after you took on that position that really created the business into what it is today? What, what were you tasked with doing when you were sat down and yep. handed that promotion? And, and how did you go about executing that? Yeah. The first thing that I was really focused on was growing the team. You know, we had invested in this business, but I think we kind of saw on the horizon a lot of opportunity, a lot changing um, in terms of the retail appetite for crypto and the comfort there. And so for the first six months, I would say it was just a, an all-out sprint to make sure we had the right people in the right seats. I think there are a few people that we've brought on in the last six months who have really been a step change to our business overall. John, who has joined as our head of engineering and, and CTO. Roger, who is kind of heading up our finances and sitting in the seat of CFO. We recently hired a new CCO, Ben Melnicki from Grayscale. And in addition to that leadership build out, we've also been just aggressively hiring engineers, operators, folks in compliance to make sure that we can kind of grow with the demand that our customers are bringing us. And now I think you guys are at least a couple hundred people just on the crypto team alone. Yeah, I think we are still about at 100-ish. I don't know the exact number, but I would say it's in the ballpark of about 100. And what do you look for in these new hires? You know, one of the principles of our company overall of Robinhood is first principles thinking. And I think that when it comes to our crypto business, that is incredibly important. People that Yes, having crypto experience is great. There are certain roles where we just need folks who have done it before, understood the landscape, understood what they're working with. But at the end of the day, we need problem solvers. We need people who are going to see problems for the very first time that have never been faced before and be able to break them down to their fundamental parts and really be excited about tackling them. So first principles, thinkers, folks who are excited about growth, folks who have a little bit of grit. Those are things that I personally look for when I'm hiring. What's a big red flag? Yeah. One of the things, and this is what actually brought me to Robinhood, when I was interviewing on site, I walked away being completely blown away by how low ego and collaborative the people I interviewed were, right? I've been in tech for about a decade. I've worked at places like Google, other startups, other unicorns. And one thing that you can come across in tech is, is folks that have a, a big ego and kind of don't play well in the sandbox. And I remember when I interviewed at Robinhood, I was like, this is where I want to learn. This is where I want to grow. These are the kind of people I want, uh, I want to surround myself with every day. And so when I am hiring, one red flag to me is folks that have a little bit of ego about themselves or who feel like they can't learn from someone else in the room. Someone who sees themselves as the smartest person in the room, honestly, like we probably don't want that person. We want people who are constantly learning. Yeah. You look at this growth, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Between Q2 2020 and Q2 2021, transaction-based revenues from crypto increased about 4,200%, yeah. right? 62% of the company's crypto transaction-based revenue was attributed to Dogecoin. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of money being made from this business. Does that breed or to what extent has that resulted in a sort of, I don't want to use the the word complacency, but a sort of slowness to maybe launching new products because you have this massive user base and you don't need to do that much to get them to get involved in the market. They can just sort of 
click over to the other part of the app. Mm-hmm. So has has there been a focus around just like since it's not broke, don't you know change too much since we're seeing this growth without adding new coins at a rapid clip or new services and features. Just let it sort of ruminate there. Or is that no, no, I, I don't think that's the case at all. I think there are two things behind the scenes that we're really thinking about. The first is, you know, you mentioned a 4,000% plus growth, right? That comes with a lot more activity, a lot more users coming to the platform. And we have to scale with that. We hold ourselves to a really high standard of uptime, reliability. And if you look at kind of there's a few days in the in the past few months, I think there was one last month where, you know, a certain news cycle or tweet comes out and it's kind of a meme at this point that kind of all the exchanges will fall over because there's so much attention and so many kind of fingers going going to the asset. And one of the things that we've been doing is is really investing in our infrastructure and stability to make sure that we can stay up. And and we're seeing the dividends of that kind of play out. We've been able to stay up through a few of these like really volatile moments over the past few months. The other thing that we're thinking about is that you mentioned 62% of uh, the crypto revenue was attributed to Dogecoin. I really just see that as an entry point, right? That is one entry point that a set of our customers got excited about and, and made them feel comfortable to move into crypto. We're starting to build other entry points and invest in multiple entry points to kind of bring down that barrier of intimidation or lack of knowledge or context. One of the things I'm really excited about is the 24-7 live support product that we launched. Is it last month? What this is, it's the first of its kind product, especially in the crypto space where users, they can go into the app and actually talk to someone on the phone, right? About any problem that they're having with crypto. You don't know the difference between Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. You want to talk to someone about it? Great, right? And so we're thinking about all these different ways for users to have an entry point. Who's the person answering that question? We have an amazing, dedicated, trained crypto support team. We've kind of scaled up and staffed in that area of our of our team as well. Um, and they're they're just waiting for your call, Frank. Yeah, I'd <laughs> like to I'd like to know what the the answer would be to that question. That's pretty funny. Yeah. It's interesting. We've seen a number of different companies try to move towards that twenty four support. Mm-hmm product or service, the the market's fast and it's volatile and there have been issues with scaling, as you mentioned. It sounds like that's what a lot of the focus has been, at least since you started. How can we maintain uptime, scale the product so that it's usable Mm -hmm. and when people want to get in and out of the market, they can. Is there any data you can share that illustrates the degree to which you've scaled the platform since you started? I think I would point to specific instances where we did see broad events in the market kind of affect other exchanges, other competitors, and and we were able to stay up. I think there was a, an event on May 19th specifically that was, I can't recall exactly what it was, and then one more recently on the backs of the news about Bitcoin. So there's been a few events where we've seen generally, you know, the infrastructure of of our competitive landscape struggle and and we've really been able to to be there for our customers. When you think about the project side of the market, maybe not so much the clients you're interfacing with who have a lot of questions. I'm sure you guys are getting inundated by different projects who might want to list or engage with Robinhood Crypto in some way. How do you handle and sift through those inquiries? Yeah, you know, 
one of the things that has been new to me as I've stepped into this crypto seat that I'm in is, you know, how vocal and how engaged the crypto community is. And it's actually one of the things that I love most about my role. Since I got into this seat, a few of the things we've done, we've done Reddit AMAs, you know, I'm fairly active on on Twitter now, and we've done a few fireside chats with our customers and talking to them and answering their questions directly. With these new tokens, these new coins that folks are super excited about. What I love is that this, the communities are super vocal, right? They're starting petitions. They are, um, they're showing up on Twitter. They're finding Vlad. They're finding the Robinhood corporate handle. They're finding me and they're asking us, you know, I know that I'm on the scoop right now, but we don't disclose token listings um, ahead of time. Um, so that's just not something that we are going to confirm until it is something that's listed on our platform. And right now, we're really focused on getting wallets out the door. So this was something that we announced last month at Mainnet. We want to build a product that gives the user base that we have right now who are engaged with crypto an on-ramp into you know a broader crypto ecosystem. And that is kind of our priority number one through the end of this year. We're going to be rolling that out to general availability in early 2022. And that's where the majority of the team's focus is. So the main focus going into probably around mid-2022 is the full launch of wallets. Yeah, I would say so we are actively rolling out the alpha. So we have a small group of customers about you know, five to 10 people who are going to be actively working with us through the last pieces of the customer experience of, you know, how do you understand what the fees are, why they're there, how do you initiate a deposit when you have to go somewhere else and bring it on. And that is currently in progress. We'll be rolling out off of our waitlist, which I think, by the way, just hit 1.35 million users. So there's a lot of demand for this and it's continuing to grow. And then in early 2022, we're hoping to kind of hit general availability. So through Q1-ish. So Q1 comes, rollout of Robinhood mm-hmm. Wallet is a massive success. Everyone's happy. Every Scoop listeners may be using it, playing with it, trading with it. Then do we start thinking about the wild world of all of these new assets, create some sort of framework around listings, et cetera, and then just unleash you know, a Cambrian explosion of new tokens onto your users. Is that the timeline we should expect? You know, I think that I would actually take a step back first and say, what is it that our users really want? What are they going to be asking for? And and how do we set them up for success? Right now, we only have seven coins on our platform, right? That's an incredibly curated set of assets, especially if you think of other exchanges out there, right, where there might be hundreds. And we're taking a safety first approach. We want to make sure that what we list makes sense, that we are working with our regulators in the proper way. And, you know, Robinhood does have a lot of a lot of attention. And because of that, we understand how critical it is to do this right. So I think that what we're going to be looking at in early 2022 as we build our roadmap It's not just what assets do we list or not list. It's what features, what kind of holistic experience do our customers need to be successful when it comes to investing in crypto, you know, as part of their overall investment strategy. So non-zero chance that there are new listings in 2021. You heard it here first. (laughs) Features. You think about it more like features. What features can we do that our users are asking for? One thing that we've seen a number of firms kind of break into, and I've fallen down 
if I talk too much about the metaverse and NFTs, just interrupt me because I've fallen down quite a rabbit yeah. hole. But this is something we've seen FTX lean into. We've seen Coinbase announce intentions to lean into. Mm -hmm. Could Robinhood crypto do something in the NFT space? You know, I think that we we would be remiss to not consider it, right? It is something that a lot of people are moving towards. It's it's a really exciting area right now. It's it's really, I think, the kind of this second NFT wave that we're looking at is is really focused on on digital art. But I think there are so many other uses for it as well, more broadly. You know, I think I think we're gonna look at it. I'm not going to commit right now whether or not that's something that we're actually going to be working on. What do you think is interesting about it? I think that what it captures is the virality and momentum and excitement of crypto in a really easily digestible format, right? Something that people can really grok, right? When I explain to my mom, like, why should she invest in Bitcoin or not? I think that's really hard for her to comprehend of Okay, what is this digital thing? How is it different than fiat? How is it different than a dollar? But when you start talking about something that's a little bit more tangible, like a piece of art, right? And you can make really direct comparisons to, you know, why would you buy this versus a painting that you would hang in, in your house? And what are some like upsides, downsides? I think it's something that will, again, kind of be an entry point for some people into cryptocurrency just more generally. Bank is the digital wallet of the future, empowering you to manage all of your digital assets from a single place. Back puts the power in your hands to get your crypto, loyalty and rewards points and gift cards together to choose how you want to use them. Treat your digital assets just like cash and convert, send or spend them using Back. Get started today and get it together with Back. Sign up at backbakkt.com. For the last 10 years, Kraken has been known as one of the best platforms for trading crypto online. Now with the new Kraken app, it's easier than ever to buy and sell over 60 of the most popular cryptocurrencies on the go 24-7. Simply download the Kraken app, connect your bank account, and start investing for as little as $10. Just a minute is all it takes to get started. I also want to give a special thanks to Exodus. Exodus is one of the most loved crypto apps due to its sleek design and easy to use exchange feature. Secure and manage over 130 cryptocurrencies from your computer or phone, and interactive charts let you view the price history of a specific asset and your portfolio's performance over time. Sync your wallet across multiple devices to access your funds from anywhere. Maybe the best part is Exodus is integrated with the Trezor hardware wallet, making advanced security easy for everyone. Download Exodus at Exodus.com today. Most people in the world most Americans, right? They don't own any financial assets. Mm -hmm. So no stocks, no bonds, et cetera. Right. I'm sure if it's not the majority, it's, it's fairly close. Right. But most people do, the overwhelming majority of people own a watch, fancy sunglasses, mm -hmm. Yeezys, <laughs> you know, the list goes on, or they, they have some form of art hanging in their house. Right. Doesn't need to be, you know, something incredibly expensive, but you can relate to these digitized versions of things that exist in the analog right. world, whereas most people don't have, maybe they have a few stocks or a few indexes, but right. 
they're not necessarily able to see what exists in crypto relative to their own personal lives, for the most part, most folks, not everyone. But that's what's interesting and that's what's been exciting about Robinhood is that you guys are trying to make finance trading less intimidating for retail traders and investors. I want to talk to you about this really interesting op-ed that Vlad wrote in the Wall Street Journal, I think it was a month ago or recently. <laughs> recently yeah. You know, there, there's always been this like argument that Robinhood is gamifying financial markets. And, and I don't know if he made this in the piece, but I think the piece captures this counter argument, which is for rich people or more financially savvy people, investing is investing, trading is investing, et cetera. But for less financial savvy people, it's gambling. And why is there this juxtaposition? Yeah. I mean, when I think about Robin Hood's mission and where we are today, there are three main barriers to participating in the financial markets that I think that we attack pretty rigorously. The first is economic. And five, 10 years ago, it was very, very common that when you made an investment, you paid a $7 commission fee. And so it made not a lot of economic sense to do a $20 trade or a $50 trade where the commission fees to get in and out of that position ate up a significant portion of any potential gains, right? It just didn't make sense. And so Robinhood launching a zero commission fee product really broke down that economic barrier. I think that we're doing the same with crypto as well. You know, there's still commission fees in a lot of the trading platforms for crypto today. I'm excited to see that change. I'm excited for the race to zero to kind of start up again. But that's one of our kind of core tenants. The second is educational, right? A lot of folks say, you know what, I just don't have the knowledge to actually invest. Actually, one of the things that we have recently done is we've done a kind of comprehensive survey about folks in the U.S. and their perspectives towards investing and crypto investing. And so specifically in crypto, we actually see that knowledge is a huge barrier, especially for certain populations. So 70% of men say they know something about cryptocurrency versus 40% of women, right? And so if you're one of those 60% of women who you know, you don't feel like you have the knowledge, you're not going to get involved, right? Because why would you invest in something that you don't understand? So Robinhood has built learning tools, content, and kind of products that help people kind of get over that barrier. And then the last barrier is emotional. We help everyone feel like they're ready to become investors, that they belong, that they'll get the support that they need when they need it in the moments that are most critical for them. And I think the combo of that educational and emotional investments that we're making to folks who don't feel this, right? To folks who are already in the financial world, they've been been investing for decades, they don't understand. They say, oh, a push notification that helps you track price movements, you know, that's a game versus, hey, that's empowering because that's educating someone on what's actually happening in the market at that time. I mean, and both can be right. I mean, both can, I mean, if the access folks want and the access that, if the sort of UX is such that people enjoy doing it, maybe that does make it gamified, but also maybe that's the only way they'd be able to engage with stocks, options, crypto. So maybe both can be right. You know, it can be, you know, whether we want to use the word gamified, it can be a gamified experience, but also that's the only way maybe that they would have traded or ever bought their first stock 
et cetera? Yes and no. You know, I, I take issue with good UX and solid design being viewed as a game, right? I think that just because it's easy to use doesn't mean that it's something that kind of creates bad dynamics for someone. I think that it just makes it more accessible. And in fact, you know, we think a lot of people actually have a long-term outlook on their investments. Um, so in the survey that we did, crypto investors specifically, the majority of them, 57%, said that they are looking at long-term goals when they're investing in cryptocurrency. Only 12% say, hey, short-term gains, short-term wins are important. And we're building products to that. So an example is our recurring product where, you know, it can be really intimidating to get into the market that is, you know, when the market is volatile. Are you getting in at the high, right? Like most people want to avoid that. So by building a product where you can invest a set amount every day, every week, every month, even every year, right? We're letting people dollar cost average into that market. They're meeting that long-term goal to actually kind of look at a broader outlook and say, hey, I'm in this for the long run. I think that's a good thing. No, I totally get your point. One thing that I think Robinhood has gotten a lot better at is its ability to communicate to the market what's going mm -hmm. on, the educational aspect, letting people know what they're getting themselves into. Wasn't always perfect at that. I think it's gotten a lot better. And even with more complicated market structure topics, and Vlad has done a good job communicating the firm's position on various issues like payment for order flow, which the media kind of really, really focused on maybe in 2019, 2020. A lot of misconceptions around mm -hmm. it, a lot of opinions about it. But I mean, Robinhood isn't the only firm that that does this, but it's confusing and it raises a lot of questions. But you guys have been trying to explain the way that these markets work, the way in which you interact with the rest of the market, whether it's you know your own sort of in-house custody of assets, the way PFOF works. I'm curious, like... We're gonna we're gonna enter nerd territory for it. a few folks, yeah. if that's okay. Yeah. We look at like sort of the revenues that come from the crypto business and its transaction-based revenues. Is that derived similarly to the way it is derived on the equity side? Can you explain to me and be as granular as you want the differences betwixt the twain? Yeah. So I think it starts with taking a step back and actually understanding, you know, what is happening when you place a trade. Um, and for a trade to actually get executed, you know, out there on the market, there needs to be someone that is willing to provide liquidity, which is mean which means they're able to match a buy to a sell or vice versa. And the institutions that do this, right, they are doing so by creating a spread, right? So there's a bid, there's an ask, and there is a spread in between which is, is generally theirs to keep, right? Because they are taking the risk of actually providing the liquidity. They are taking the risk to actually make that trade happen. It is something that is fundamental to every market is that you kind of have to match up bid and ask. Where PFOF, which is not my area of expertise, I'm not in the brokerage, and our crypto rebate structure come into play is that our thesis is we should really be taking a slice of that and kind of pulling from the institutional and the market dynamics to provide revenue that can help us continue to invest in the business versus taking from our customers who we could charge a commission fee. We could kind of put additional costs on top of that. But by having a rebate kind of structure, 
it allows us to kind of pull from from a different set of a different pie, so to speak. So that is how our our crypto business is structured. Similarly, we have a rebate structure with liquidity providers that we route trades to. We do get a notional amount um, based on trade volume, but we don't route the trades based on that rebate. So we build a competitive environment that still has kind of customer outcomes at the heart of where we route and how we execute. So when a trade, a crypto trade goes through on Robinhood, Mm -hmm. it could potentially be routed to various different venues, other exchanges or other market making firms? Yes, to other liquidity providers out there in the market. Interesting. And so it's not that different in a sense. It, no, it's not that different. And by having multiple, right, it's we hope that that builds a competition and better outcomes for our customers because those liquidity providers are streaming us prices and they only they get trades if the price is the lowest for the buyer, the highest for the sell. So you are probably really busy. How do you manage your time? Coffee, caffeine is, uh, mm-hmm. yes, totally. uh, as, as I know you like to partake. Um, but in, in seriousness, I think it's about working with great people and surrounding yourself with amazing colleagues and coworkers. That's been one of the best things as, as we've seen this business grow and as we've grown the team internally as well. You can start to bring in a folks that can divvy up that work and who can really zoom in deep on problems execute super well. Yeah, I I would say that my number one time management trick is be surrounded by an amazing team that you can work with. When you think about, you seem to be like a product, like person, Mm. you have Mm. a product mindset. Yeah. What makes for a successful product in crypto trading? And how do you iterate on it? Yeah. So what's actually interesting is I'm kind of a mutt when it comes to what kind of person I am. So yes, I've been a product manager um, in past roles. And so I like putting my product hat on every once in a while. I also have a master's degree in computer science. Um, and so I really love the technical, deep, kind of hairy problems, right? Like when we were working through all of our stability and scaling initiatives this spring, and I'm the person in the room that Maybe I don't need to be in the room. There's a lot smarter people than me at this, but I just, I love digging in and I love understanding how that's happening. And at my heart, I'm an operator. And maybe that's the just like OCD execution side of me, but I love kind of setting a team against a set of objectives and empowering them to execute, right? You know, the mm-hmm. the way I like to describe what a COO does versus a CEO, the CEO is really should have that vision. They should have kind of the next five years, what's on the horizon? How are we thinking about this? And the COO should be the person that says, hey, that crazy idea, I know how to make it happen. I can actually put pen to paper and get a team to execute. So I'm a mutt. I kind of have all of those wrapped up in my my personality day to day. But when we think about, you know, what does product look like? What is a good product for crypto in general? I think it's different depending on what customers you're talking to. So at the, at the end of the day, it should be all about the customers. And at Robinhood, what's really interesting is that our crypto customers, they aren't the people that were involved in crypto in 2013, 2014. They're the people that are hearing about it. They've, they're already kind of interested in investing, but they're maybe a little skeptical and they don't know how to get into the market. And I think we are an on-ramp for a broader retail population for crypto generally. And so 
building products for them is what I'm really passionate about. Do you think that the client base looks different enough from competitive firms like a Coinbase or FTX that you can move slower, a bit slower with rolling out new products? I mean, if you think of something like the crypto wallet, maybe your audience has taken a bit longer to sort of really demand something like this. And that's why maybe you've taken a bit more time with it. I think if you take the lens of crypto native features, it will look like we are moving slower, potentially. But when you take the lens of customer value and kind of delivering on what our, what our users want and need, I think we're moving at just as fast of a pace, right? You know, wallets might, might be something that we're rolling out now, but we've 24-7 live support is something that was a priority, right? Because our customer base is just a little bit different, right? They're just getting into crypto. They are exploring it for the first time and they want that support from the emotional education and economic perspective to really get over the barrier of kind of the intimidation that that crypto can have. So do you see yourself with that in mind as maybe not keeping up with the pace of other crypto market participants product rollout? No, I think I have a very long-term outlook on this, which is, you know, 10 years from now, what will crypto investing look like? And I think that we are strategically building to get there and that we're putting the investments in the right places that will be like long-term, long-term plays in that space. Yeah. Mm. What's life been like as a public company? Yeah, that's a great question. In a lot of ways, it is very similar to what life looked like pre-IPO, what life looked like when I joined and it was a 60-person company. What's great about Robinhood is that we have such a customer-centric culture. Stock price fluctuation and kind of increased media attention, all those things come with an IPO and being available on the public markets. But what we're really focused on internally is our customers and how do we serve them. And that, that really hasn't changed. In what way do the crypto and non-crypto businesses coordinate? Are there ever any areas of collaboration that exist? Yeah, I mean, so because we have an introducing broker-dealer, a clearing broker-dealer, and a crypto business sitting next to each other, some coordination is required. I think one example, and this is going to be a really boring example, but one example is taxes, right? Like, you need 1099s generated for your equities, options, and kind of cash business. And then you need 1099s for your crypto business. Um, and how do we make sure that when January, February rolls around and people start saying, how am I going to, how am I going to prepare for this April date that is on my calendar? We want to make sure that users have a really seamless experience and that they're getting all their tax documents at the same time, that we're communicating exactly what's going to happen. And we're not working like three totally siloed groups that have no knowledge that the other group is also preparing tax documents for our users. So I think that's kind of like a very in the weeds example of like how we're kind of aware of what the other business is kind of needs to be doing. Um, I think another great example is that I, I came up through the clearing business. So I helped build our clearing and settlement firm, which gave me a super, super in the weeds look and perspective at how does trading happen? with securities? You know, how does clearance happen? How does this market all move together simultaneously to settle a trade? And where is it custodied? What is the DTCC? How does that work? How do we integrate it with it? What are controls and systems and procedures within our securities 
business that are critical to protecting our customer assets, something like segregation. And that knowledge is, I think, super useful as we think about growing crypto and and being able to say, okay, this is how, quote unquote, traditional finance does it. What are the best parts of that? And what are the parts that maybe don't work as well? And, and how do we kind of learn from that to build this new business that we're thinking about? So what lessons did you glean from growing up on that clearing side of the business that inform the decisions you're making now in crypto? Yeah. So the big, the, the kind of two big theses that I took away from my time on the clearing side of the business is that why that system works is because there are two things, right? There's, there's inherent trust in the system, right? All the market participants they trust that settlement is going to happen, right? So you can you can build a lot off of that. And the other kind of thesis that I took away is that technology is something that is going to be critical for us moving forward, right? When we were integrating with some of these really legacy street side systems, you know, they were built in the 70s and the 80s, right? Just as like digitizing the processes of trade settlement was kind of coming to light. And they haven't been super updated since. And I think that that in a lot of ways can and will slow future innovation of that kind of centralized process. And so kind of pulling that back into how do we apply those learnings to a crypto business is that technical investments are incredibly important, right? Like you build something once, doesn't mean that you should just let it sit there and continue working, right? You should constantly be investing and innovating in your own platform and structure, right? You should be disrupting your own business as much as you possibly can to move forward. And that, you know, the central trust piece of it, it's kind of the antithesis of, of crypto, right? You don't need to have central trust. And I, I think that's really important. And that's actually what got me personally interested in crypto, right? I've been in, I've been in tech since 2011. I've obviously, being in the space, being in Silicon Valley, you hear about Bitcoin as that was kind of just very nascent, but I didn't get curious until I really had that experience in the in the clearing side of the world. And I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot of trust in this system. And, and what happens if you're in a system where that, that trust falls apart? Mm. So that's what got me interested in crypto personally. And now you can't get enough of it. Christine, this has flown by. I've had so much fun. I can't I can't believe it's taken this long to to get you on the other side of the mic there. Hope you had a good time. I loved it. It was great. Thanks for having me, Frank. Yeah, we'll have to do it again really soon. Where you you mentioned you're getting more active on the bird site. Where can our listeners follow you? Yeah, I'm at Christine underscore Hall, my maiden name. I'm still trying to figure out how to get that updated. But more importantly, if if folks are trying to get in touch, they're trying to find a way to like really engage with Robinhood, one place I would point them is our careers page. We are continuing to really hire scale and build out this team. So if if you're excited about Rob, what Robinhood is doing, check out careers.robinhood.com as well. What type of positions are you most actively hiring for? I'm about to rattle off a really long list, but everything from engineering, security, operations, compliance, you know, those are the big four, I would say. Um, and hey, if you're not one of those four, but you're still interested, go look anyways, because there's there's a lot more. That's great. This is something that people are plugging more and more across the mm -hmm. space. It's just an insane amount of hiring happening. Yep. Christine Brown, COO at Robinhood Crypto. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Until next time. Until next time. And until next time, folks, The Scoop will be back for you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day.